Hey everyone, welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Withrow and I'm flying solo again today. Again, if you listened to our last episode about Wes Anderson, you'll know that Nicholas had some disparaging things to say about the Grand Budapest Hotel. Some weak and disparaging things. This upset me, so I challenged him to a duel, which he declined. So I banished him from the podcast. Or, or, like most people, Nick just hasn't had a chance to see The Last Duel yet. And I did see it. I've seen it twice, actually. I saw it twice in a week. And wow, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel is one of the best movies I've seen in what feels like a really long time. I figured it out. It was certainly the best major studio film I've seen since Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's why I wanted to talk about it a little bit today. Um, this is exactly what I want from a Ridley Scott movie of this kind. What I mean is it's directed with what seems like like an almost effortless confidence. And it's, it's just a very, very well-made, well-crafted movie. And while watching it, you never get a sense that Ridley had... A difficult time with it. It just moves and it flows. And the man's been making movies for 44 years. Like, holy shit. And this is without question one of his best ever. So I'm going to talk about the movie a little. I really want people to see this if you can, if you feel safe, of course, to go to a theater. Um, it would be great to see it in a theater because it has some scenes that are just really, really spectacular on a big screen and with major sound. No spoilers here, of course. I'll try to keep things general and hopefully my kind of like my solo review of The Card Counter a few weeks ago. I used that as an excuse to talk about Paul Schrader, and I'm going to do that here with old Ridley. And, and then in the end, my congenial co-host will be invited back to issue our top five Ridley Scott films. But first, let's get into The Last Duel. This is a $100 million movie, all of which is on screen completely. It's two and a half hours long, but never boring or slow. And it is about some very tricky subject material. Set in medieval France, the movie's about three people and one alleged horrible event that may or may not link them all. Sir Jean, a night warrior played by Matt Damon, returns from a trip and is told by his wife, Marguerite, played by Jodie Comer, that Sir Jean's former friend and now rival Jacques Legree, played by Adam Driver, raped Marguerite while Sir Jean was away. Jean does not take kindly to this information. He runs this accusation up the chain of command, represented in part here by Ben Affleck, who is just really absolutely going for it and gives a very sly, memorable performance. Uh, finding really, you know, no appropriate justice. Gene challenges Jacques to a duel to the death. So the movie's about a guy who does something really horrible to his enemy's wife, allegedly, and the husband wants a chance to legally kill the man in revenge. And that sounds like the makings of a pretty good Ridley Scott movie. And so the first thing, like right away, I'm not spoiling anything because they do this really early on. The first thing that's really cool about this movie is that it is told in, from three different perspectives. So you almost get like 45 minutes of chapter one, which is told completely through Matt Damon's character's perspective. Chapter two is told from Adam Driver's perspective. And you see there are a lot of the same scenes that were in the first chapter. And you see how 
certain people in certain events are viewed differently based on the perspective. And then finally, the film concludes with the chapter from Jodie Comer's perspective when a lot of things really come to light. Now, I love this shit. I love exploring how people perceive things and how they are themselves perceived by people around them. So, for example, Damon's character in chapter one, his chapter, he views himself as this like heroic knight and he's often the victim of circumstance, but that is certainly not the way he's depicted in other chapters. He's kind of oafish, dumb, jealous, not very pleasant to be around. And that goes for all the characters in the film. All of their performances change, sometimes really dramatically, sometimes very subtly, just in the way a single word is inflected or the way a glance is shared. And that changes from chapter to chapter. And as the movie goes on, we're given enough of every perspective to realize the truth of, you know, what happened. And, you know, this type of narrative style was really, it's been going on for a while. It was popularized in 1950 with Rashomon by Akira Kurosawa when, and that's a movie about the rape of a woman and the murder of a samurai told from four different perspectives. So any movie that does what The Last Duel is doing owes a lot to Rashomon and uh, like the show on Showtime The Affair when that was on uh, the first few seasons of that show were really really cool you got to see stuff from different perspectives Um, that show worked a little better for me in the earlier seasons but again same type of effect and surrounding the marketing of this film a lot has been made of the fact that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote this movie together and it's the first time they've shared screenwriting credit since winning original screenplay for Goodwill Hunting in 1997. And they based the script of The Last Duel on a book by Eric Yeager, which I like this movie so much, I read that book in two sittings this week. And it's a great read. It's short. It's told in a straight, linear fashion. And and when reading it, I realized the two smartest things Matt and Ben did when writing the script was they decided to tell it from different perspectives, the three different perspectives. And they reached out to Nicole Holof Center to become the third writer of the script. And Holof Center is an amazing writer-director herself. One of my favorite directors working today. God, walking and talking, lovely and amazing. That's my favorite. Friends with money, please give enough said. She's great. And she was tasked with essentially writing Marguerite's chapter in The Last Duel. And it was just really smart to bring a female on to write the female perspective. And it's a great script. And I mean... Like some of the lines of dialogue in this script were just so jarring to me because they were, they're so ghastly to hear and they're delivered so casually, like by lawyers. In one scene, a lawyer uh, so casually says, Rape is not a crime against the woman, but a crime against her property owner, which is her husband. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So that's the time and place where this movie is coming from. And like I said, it's really tricky subject material, but Ridley, you're just always in good hands with him. You're in good, confident hands. He is a master, and when he's at his R-rated best, he's not afraid to show us some dangerous and uncomfortable shit. And I don't know, to me, he's always handled it respectfully. The Last Duel certainly has some unpleasant moments, but he only keeps on screen what is necessary to see. He's not going to linger on something just to make you feel uncomfortable. And this is a man who's directed some really strong female characters. Ripley, obviously, Thelma and Louise, G.I. Jane, uh, Ruby D, an American gangster. She slapped Denzel. And 
the movie, like I'm talking about all these cool like narrative tricks and story aspects of it. I mean, the fucking movie is called The Last Duel. And there is indeed, if this is not a spoiler, it, there's indeed a final epic duel in the film that is worth the price of theater admission alone. I mean, this rivals any of the fights in Gladiator, the action in Black Hawk Down. This man knows how to direct action, maybe, and certainly hand-to-hand combat, maybe better than anyone. And of course, this is Matt and Ben's. And, you know, if you're coming to the last duel expecting like some Will and Chucky ball busting for two and a half hours, this is not that. Their dynamic is, it's so different in the last duel that I couldn't help but admire it. And like I said, Affleck's just totally going for it. He's really the only comic relief in the movie. I recently learned that he's here. He's playing the same character that he played in Shakespeare in Love, which is kind of cool. But he's in last duel, I mean... You know, Ben Affleck can play a libertine quite well. You know, who knew? He's this spiteful, devilish guy. And I, I love Affleck. Nick loves Affleck. Go watch um, The Way Back. No one else did. Beers in the Shower. That's, that's a great movie. Damon, Matt Damon's in a different register here. He's, he's not a very likable character, and, but it's hard to root against a guy who's defending his wife's honor in such a way, you know? And Damon probably has the most difficult task acting-wise because... His character is the most different from chapter to chapter. And we also got to give credit to him because he's one hell of a physical actor. I know we all saw him kick some ass as Jason Bourne, but a dude can still throw his weight around and he's great in these action scenes. And Adam Driver, I've been tracking that guy since the first season of Girls and he gets better with every year and it just seems effortless to him. Jacques Legree is a really flawed, difficult character to play, um, but his choices here were so... They were just so pronounced, like his movements. I really saw, saw Daniel Day-Lewis, saw little Brando, little Clift. Um, this is my favorite Adam Driver performance so far, and I think he's a remarkable actor. And he's in Ridley Scott's new movie, House of Gucci, which comes out in like four weeks. Just crazy. Jodie Comer, I still have never seen Killing Eve, which I hear she's amazing on. She won an Emmy for it, and I really want to see it now because she has the most difficult role certainly in the last duel and i love the way ridley and the writers set the movie up because it's kind of constructed in a way that makes it marguerite's movie and the strength of her character grows with each passing chapter and it was just i don't it's really inspiring to watch honestly so i obviously loved this movie and i hope more people see it it did not have a good first weekend at the box office which is a shame because i i don't know this is as I was watching it, there's so many times I thought, like, this is a, it's a real movie. You know, there's the practical action, the handheld combat is so good. Ridley really knows how to, like, let a shot linger, and it's just a real movie. It's a, it doesn't need to be a series. It doesn't need to be anything other than a movie, and I hope more people get a chance to see it because it was, again, that final, God, that final duel is really worth seeing it in the theater, and you know, Ridley Scott has never won a Best Director Oscar, which is wild. And his first ever movie, 1977's The Duelists, starring Harvey Keitel and Keith Carradine. That's a good movie. And it, I don't know. It'd be cool if, like, he won something for The Last Duel because his first movie was The Duelists. You know, I love Ridley. I love his work ethic. No nonsense. When you're done, you move on to the next thing. He's tackled so many different genres to great results. Everyone has a favorite Ridley Scott movie, or several, as it were, so I'm going to patch in Nick here, and we're going to talk about some of our favorite Ridley Scott films. All right, how you doing there, Bubba? 
He didn't think he would be here, but he's here. <laughs> I am happy to be here. Stuck in his apartment, not going to the theater to see the last duel. I, um, I'm sick. <laughs> I did bring you here because despite not having been able to see the last duel yet, not many people have seen it. I hope people, again, please go check it out while you can on a large screen with good sound. I wanted to bring you on because I know you're still a Ridley Scott fan. And, you know, if you're a fan of movies, you kind of got to like Ridley and respect him a little bit because he's crossed so many different genres. But first, I, I really do quickly want to say I kind of teetered around this in my review. But the reason why you're not going to hear Gladiator on either of our lists, it's, you know, it's such a popular, well-known Ridley Scott movie at one best picture. It's not on my list because that movie is damn near the exact same runtime as The Last Duel. And I, w I would never believe that if you told me that Gla Gladiator has always felt very, very long to me. It has something that very few Ridley Scott movies do, which is sentiment. And I, I just don't really buy that he's fully invested in the, the hand and the wheat fields and the music and, you know, everything. No one who watches that movie can take away from those fight scenes, that the opening war battle and then the arena scenes. Those are all great. But yeah, that's it's just it's never fully hit for me. And I've given it many, many chances. But, you know, can you believe that at that time, looking at now, that Russell Crowe is a sex symbol. Oh, Jesus. That's so mean. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love when Howard Stern made fun of him a few years ago. And Russell Crowe's only response was, I could bench press you, Howard. Yeah. It's true, but anyhow, okay, well, let's get into our top five. Again, thank you for joining us. As the guest, you can pick if you want to go first or me go first. Top five, Ridley. Here we go. Number five, baby. I'm going to start with a movie that I don't think that you think I'm going to have on here. Oh, boy. And that's going to go with Black Rain, baby. Oh, my God. I definitely did not think you're going to have that. I love that movie. Oh, man. Michael Douglas is a cop and Andy <laughs> Garcia is his it is his partner. And they are brought with the task of bringing this Yakuza. Yeah. They have to transport this Yakuza prisoner. That's the plot of the movie, really. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, it's the nice. rest of it is just classic 80s action, but done really, really well. And Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia just like they're perfect. Like it's it's a bit over the top of uh, as a movie, but also at the same time not. And it just makes for a really, really entertaining ride that I don't think gets talked enough about in his filmography. It's a lot of fun and it's really good. It is a lot of fun. And I like what you said about the like action sequences, because that's something I touch on in my last door review. No matter what you think about that movie or perfect case in point, no matter what I think about Gladiator, when you watch a Ridley Scott movie where there is an action scene, you know you're in the hands of an absolute master. That even if you don't like the movie, you're like, damn, man, you, you know where you are. The camera knows where you're not cutting too much. It's just he really knows how to stage a masterful action set piece. And that's just a great choice. I love it. you're really you're starting us off here. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going real hard in the paint uh, for my first pick. And that is comes with a caveat, but I'm going with the counselor, the director's cut. I knew it. Specifically, the I director's knew you were going to have this on here. Oh, yeah. And I I was the only asshole who liked this movie when it came out. I was the only one like um, I really get what they're doing here. Him and Cormac McCarthy. I love Michael Fassbender in it. I love Brad Pitt and the director's cut specifically. Ridley Scott loves to keep teetering with his films. Interestingly, the ones he never messes with can sometimes be my favorites. But 
he it it helps like he released a blu-ray and you can watch this the director's cut of it and he has a commentary where you can like cut away at at times and watch like making of stuff so he'll be referencing something in the commentary and then you have an option like to cut away to a making of feature it's just kind of a cool way to watch the movie if you had already seen it but yeah i love the counselor I like it too. Yeah. I actually, I was one of the few that liked it as well, but I've never seen the director's cut. So that would no, be a really cool way to see it. It's much better. If you like the original, like it just, it's better. <laughs> All right. Number four for you. Number four. It's, it's, it's his earliest. It's arguably best, but I got to go with alien. Good. Nice choice. He does have a movie before that, that not a lot of people know about. Yeah, it's and true. It's called the duelists. So it kind of, plays well against the last duel the duelist it's a good it's an effective movie um he made that in 1977 what he graduates to two years later in alien that's my number two so i can just say that now is it really changed that genre and really showed people what i think the fact that it's hard to classify is it sci-fi is it horror is it both just speaks well to its ongoing legacy and this is a really cool thing to do is if you're really familiar with that movie and you're at all interested in reading screenplays, mm-hmm. find a copy of that screenplay and see what they did because that screenplay is sparse. Yeah. There is not a lot there. And the way that they interpret and transfer that into film is the it's one of the best examples of script to screen that I think you can find. It's a really, really cool exercise to do for that movie. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Okay. I've I've never read it, and I love reading scripts, so I'm going to have to give that a look. So that was my number two, but I'll go to my number four. It's a classic. Talk about director's cuts and versions. Going with Blade Runner. I don't know confidently which one to recommend, which version. I've seen them all. I like them. I think I have like the final cut, the director's cut, but it's my number three, so it works oh, out perfectly. Perfect, perfect. Um, and this is a movie, this is one of those ones that stands the test of time. This is one that continues to astound people, and it looks so good. Yeah. I have the personal opinion that my favorite cut is the international cut. Yeah, you've mentioned this. Um, That's right. Yeah. I, I like the voiceover. I, I love the fact that I know that Harrison Ford went into those sessions hammered. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that makes for entertaining. Yeah. But I like the international cut. For someone who's a fan just of that film and all the different versions of it, I like hearing you know your favorite. So that was your number three. So we'll go to my number three. Ridley like when he makes a really good movie. It stands the test of time. And this is Black Hawk Down for me. And that's really true of this movie because I think the biggest misfortune this movie had was coming out the year after Gladiator. I don't think people were ready because it was it was a big deal that Ridley Scott didn't win Best Director for Gladiator. It was people thought he was or was Ang Lee going to win it for Crouching Tiger. Then you have this other like weird art guy, Steven Soderbergh, who's nominated twice in the same year which very rarely happens for Aaron Brockovich and Traffic he wins for Traffic a lot of people thought Ridley was going to win and that I I'm definitely team Soderbergh Traffic there but Ron Howard winning for a beautiful mind over Ridley Scott and Black Hawk Down is just silly in hindsight I mean it's really this Black Hawk Down would have been a perfect Oscar movie I mean I said even if he won best director for Last Duel which probably at this point won't happen but it would be appropriate um this is probably the last great war film and you're really right mm-hmm. there. And 
I love that there are so many characters. There's so many people in this, but you know who everyone is. You know where everyone is. You're like, oh, okay, the, yeah, those are the guys in the control room. Those are the guys in the helicopter. Those are the guys trying to rescue them. And I mean, everyone in it's great. Josh Hartnett's great. Eric Bana is like the, just absolutely the man. going for it. Ah, oh, I love it. So I know this one ranks for you, and you only have two and one left. So where where is it at? This number two. It's going oh, right up wow. the list. Great. Yeah, I think you're right. I I mean, there have been good horror movies, or not horror, uh, good war movies since, but this might be the last great one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really get talked about. I think people that know it know its value. You said it perfectly. It puts you right there in a way that at that time we had not seen a war movie done like that. And this is before the style of video games the, you know, that became like a very prominent way to make anything that had to do with guns, gunplay, the types of like war things was kind of like, oh, how can we make this most like a video game? Ridley Scott was doing all of this stuff before all of that oh, with yeah, this movie. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's truly, truly something to behold. And um, my stepdad, he has a lot of films that he can't watch mm-hmm. because they remind him too much of feelings emotions situations that he went through but he was one of these guys he was a sniper in that front line doing this stuff he watched black hawk down and i was marveled i go how can you watch this without getting fucked up and he goes oh that was nothing i've been through that yeah well i mean <laughs> and i was like well okay then and he goes very well done very well done <laughs> that's the point i was going to bring up is that i work pretty closely with the veteran community and this is when i'll be in a conversation with them this is for a certain age type of veteran definitely the one that's brought up as the most realistic and just the one that you know got it right of course there's the opening of saving private ryan but black hawk down is pretty damn relentless like it doesn't really give up and saving private ryan is something that lets you off the hook every once in a while which you know that's okay but yeah black hawk down great movie and I'm going to go with my number one here. Your number one is vacant and hasn't been mentioned yet. And I'm just going to absolutely love if we share it. But we do. Yeah, of course. It's Thelma and Louise. It's absolutely (laughs) Thelma and Louise. It is. It's the number one movie where you're like, Ridley Scott directed Thelma and Louise? Like, huh? There's a lot of people who, you know, you'll talk to and they don't put that together. Like the dude who did Gladiator and Hannibal and Blade Runner, like I'll probably, I put this one on very, very often. I had the great fortune of seeing this at an Alamo draft house in the theater just not that long ago, like a couple months ago. Oh. It was, oh my God, it was heaven. And, you know, Christopher McDonald, we've talked about it before. Have we ever? It's just, it's one, it's an all timer comedy performance to me, which you don't expect. I absolutely, oh my God, I love him so much in it. He's so funny. And you have two women, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, giving just, Two amazing performances that have great arcs in them, believable arcs. Love everything about this movie. And when I'm talking about that Ridley Scott is a director, he has a very British way of making movies. There's not a lot of sentimentality. This is a great example of that. That final shot is not like weepy. You don't leave this movie wanting to like cry. You're like, oh man, yeah, there there go my gals. Even the music's like poppy. You get the picture credits like, ah, I love Thelma and Louise, A plus masterpiece for me. And I absolutely love that it's your number one, too. Holy shit. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, you if you want, like, we, we talk a lot about this movie in our Christopher McDonald episode. So definitely yeah. go back yeah. and check that one out. But um, yeah, Alex 
made not made me but like heavily <laughs> heavily heavily encouraged me to watch this and then when we got to the Christopher McDonald episode I had to because I had to see all of his work because I had never seen Thumb on Louise up until yeah. last year because I thought it was a dumb movie right that was exactly. my judgment that I think a lot of people probably have if they've never seen it where it's like isn't that that girl movie and I'm like <laughs> it's not just a girl movie it's the girl movie yes exactly. this movie is just fucking awesome and it's it's number one for a reason. You're just seeing a lot of people operating like at the top of their game at the, you know, Sarandon Davis and then Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen, who's perfectly in tune with his character. Brad Pitt, of Brad course, Pitt. star making Stephen Tobolowsky, who I absolutely love. I've always loved him. But yeah, Pitt is just great. So. All right. Oh, man, that's so satisfying. Like we had a lot of crossover, which is cool. I love the sneaking in the black rain. Um, Ridley Scott, a man who's done movies in a lot of different genres. People are probably going to think I'm crazy for not putting the counselor in this section, but we always like to end with a wild card. Like, you know, this isn't necessarily six, but just one where people are like, oh, you like that one? Like, that's that's interesting. Do you want to go first? What's a good Ridley Scott wild card? I, I want to bet we have the same one. Well, we'll try. Mine's G.I. Jane. Oh, shit. Okay, we don't. <laughs> I fucking love I So I, it was down to two. My other one was going to be Matchstick Men. But That's I don't mine. It's fair to like. Ha, yeah, it was like, I wonder if this should be a wild card because I actually think it's like a really good movie. But then, yeah, so that would be wild card number two, Matchstick Men. But G.I. Jane, like the movie gets mocked relentlessly, made fun of. And, uh, you know, it's the, it's the Demi Moore shaved her head movie. But that movie has a lot of. Uh, I don't like to say this a lot, but a lot of balls. And I'm saying yeah. that because that's a word she would use, like her character. She just, uh, the way that she talks. But really, again, even if you don't like the movie, this, you can say this about some really Scott movies. Even if you don't like it, I promise you, you will see one of the hardest flexes from an actor trying to make a name for himself ever in the form of Viggo Mortensen in this movie. He's taking it so seriously. He's got shorts that like, are very very high to very short to say the least and it he's just going for it it's such a good flex so but yeah gi jane i love it but uh matchstick men would definitely be matchstick men would probably be my like number six favorite ridley scott movie honestly like overall i really we've talked about that one i, I mentioned that on our nicholas cage one Nick recently cage. that it's one of my favorite from him yeah sam rockwell yeah great. And I think that's the reason why is, is it would be my wild card is just, I'm just trying to put in an extra one that I like that much. But also, I think that's one movie that that people don't know it's Ridley Scott. And yeah, yeah. I don't think that movie just gets enough talk. Top level Nick Cage, Sam Rockwell. Um, that was my first experience watching Sam Rockwell. So I was like, mm -hmm. who is this guy? And I remember, I think when I first saw it, I did not know it was Ridley Scott. So I was like, holy shit. Another example of like Ridley Scott pulling out a movie that I did not expect from him and to be done so well. That's what's so cool when he does it, because like we've we've all seen movies like Thelma and Louise, even some before and some since. And they're just not made by a master. And you can tell in Matchstick Men, it's about two con men who are, you know, just going about their business. And Nicolas Cage has all these like psychological ticks and all these little mental quirks and everything, but it kind of has a light tone to me, like catch me if you can almost. It's it's just bright, it moves, it has that really playful Hans Zimmer score. The material almost feels, you're like, oh wow, Ridley Scott went with this, huh? But then that's what makes it pay off because it's really smart and it moves so well. So yeah, that's a great pick, but cool, cool, well, good stuff. Well, thank you for joining us, sir. It's great to be here. It's an honest to be a guest. 
I love it. <laughs> I'll come back anytime. What a pisser. The Last Duel certainly gets my endorsement, as do many of Ridley Scott's movies. If you do check out The Last Duel, let us know what you thought at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. I would love to hear what people are thinking about this movie. But as always, thanks so much for listening and happy watching. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at whatareyouwatchingpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. Next time, we're going to discuss the scariest movies we've ever seen. This is going to be great because it's Halloween coming up and Nick is afraid of everything. Stay tuned.